This is Coda Radio, episode 143, for March 2nd, 2015. And welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as your show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our fired-up host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Misa back, and Misa oh. here to sell you an iPhone. Oh! Oh, there he is. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a few weeks. Gosh, it, I, I almost want to say it's been like a couple of months, actually. Well, welcome back, Jar Jar. It's good to see you. I'm sure you're excited about the new series underway, being filmed right now, I think, as we, as we speak. You must be really fired up. Uh, will you let Mike on the show, though? Because I hate you. I, I hate you. Go get in a car I'll... accident. Whoa. Whoa now. <laughs> hey, Mr. Dominic. Uh, how you doing, buddy? How you, how you good? Because... Uh, I gotta. I I, I want to give you an update, but I don't. I don't want this is your show, so I don't want to be uh, you know too well, aggressive. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to be hogging things. But I I got. I, I you got what? What's, oh, what? Yeah, you know th- no, things are a little. Uh, you know more towards the suboptimal side. Yeah, these yeah, days, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I was yeah. going. Um, look. So uh, I'm gonna. You know, what, I'm gonna keep it clean this week. But I'm a little punchy. Uh, I'm a little punchy. Uh, I got to tell you something. I haven't slept very much for the last few days. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I uh, I think I got hooked on some muffins that have too much sugar in them or something like that. I, I could not tell you, but I have not been able to sleep for about two days, pretty solid, maybe two and a half days, pretty solid, and I'm getting a little crazy. I'm just getting a little crazy, but I'm good. I'm here. I have not, I'm not drunk, but if I sound drunk, sometimes I've noticed I've been, I've been using like the wrong words for things. So if I start calling you Bob or something, you'll understand, okay? So that's, that's where I'm at. And plus, plus, I had a horrible weekend. Total disappointment, massive fail, and I want to tell you about it later in the show because it's. I'm gonna. I don't. I don't. I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna blame everyone who likes Android. I think. How are you doing? Well, Chris, have you ever like? Yeah, you, you go on a trip. Yeah. To Southeast Asia. No, no, I did. I I did last Thursday after TechSnap go on a trip to get some acupuncture, and that was a, quite a drive. It was like a good solid twenty minutes away. Wait, let me do a New Jersey reference uh, that I think people will understand if yeah. they live near here. You ever drive to Elizabeth, inhale all the fumes, uh, and you know it's been like a week now. Yeah. You know your trip to Elizabeth is over, yeah, but you're still throwing up green stuff, and you, it, it's getting better. But like, there's this occasional like flare up you have to deal with. Get it out of here. That's, That's where I am, and, and now you're like, okay, so I, you know I just left Elizabeth. You know I, I'm turning into the Hulk, but not in the good way. Um, what do I do now? And it's like, okay, Newark, Camden, right? I mean, murder capital of the world. Mm. You know, I don't know if you and I can solve each other's problems. I mean, we're just, we're not in that space. Real talk right now. We're not in that space, but you know, we might be able to solve some listeners problems. Yeah. Those lazy listeners. Let's do it. I know. I know. We're the ones with the, I can barely stand up. Yeah. And I do stand. I stand for the Coda radio program. See, I'm standing and I'm drinking water because I'm trying to stay hydrated. 
I don't even want to get into that. All right. So Daniel writes and let's focus on something that matters. Daniel says, hi, Chris. I think I first saw your show uh, at Linux Fest Northwest back in 2011. I had no idea what was going on. But many years later, still a big fan. I watch Coda Radio and the Linux Action Show. Now I'm a master student at Carnegie Mellon University in Information Systems Management, which is basically a technical management degree that covers lots of topics, you know, like stats, software development management, machine learning, distributed systems, you know, the norms. Anyways, I'm looking for a full-time gig and have been interviewing with a lot of large companies. A topic that I thought you might want to cover on the show is the technical interview process, which I think, more or less, is a broken process. I'd love to come on for a session to talk about it. Well, we should do a Mumble Room show about this one time. Uh, he says, a topic everyone is interested in at one point or another. Keep up the great work. Daniel Miller. So uh, the technical interview process. I don't know where you're at on this. We've talked about this from time to time. Is there anything you really wanted to talk about in this realm, Mr. Dominic? Uh, you know, I, I, we've talked about it a few times. I think we kind of beat it to death. I, I just say it, it's obviously broken, right? Because you have, you know, 20 minutes to figure out if someone's competent or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I wonder, is it more broken than any other interview process? I mean, if you're hiring an accountant, isn't it this... Like yeah, because you know what I always what I was just about to throw in your face is like, uh, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's bad because the HR people and the hiring people they they're never technical. They wouldn't know if you're answering the right questions. They don't know what to ask you. But of course, that would be the, that would be the same with anything that's really specialized. It could be AutoCAD. It could be QuickBooks. They're not going to be experts on any of that stuff. Driving a semi, right? Like, right. I certainly don't know how to do that. But the other thing is, you know, I wonder is it. Is it better to get someone who's super technical but can't, like, survive in the organization, but, you know, doesn't kind of mix well? I would probably say no, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's – I kind of think interviewing just sucks in general. Mm -hmm. It's bad for everybody. Nobody enjoys it. Right. It's And uh, it's one of these things where you have to sell yourself and then that's very stressful too. It's it's always much nicer when it can work out organically, uh, which is not really the normal thing. But like, uh, but sometimes this happens a little bit more often with open source projects, where an open source project just kind of starts as a side thing. It eventually gets a large enough base where there's a way to generate some revenue for it, uh, and it and it becomes a job. Right. And then now all of a sudden it's a job, but you know. Maybe as the as it grows, like you need becomes more than just one person, and you need to hire a couple of people. Well, a lot of times when a project gets to that size, where maybe you have to get from one person to maybe five people, those people generally just come in from the community where they've already been doing the work for a while, you know. Uh, and you can apply that same thing. Like when we hired Rikai here, uh, he had, you know he had been a member in the community for a long time, creating uh, apps for us, managing community stuff, and so. Uh, wasn't really quite an interview process because we'd known him for like five or six or seven years or whatever it was at that point. Uh, and so if, if open source projects and other community-based stuff has a little bit of an advantage there, whereas businesses where it's much more, you know, somebody's coming in the door, that process, because it just, that's not how people work. It's essentially, it's trying to, it's trying to accomplish something that's just not how you, you learn about people. It's just not how we work. And but yeah. it's just not compatible with the business world, I think. I And I also wonder, like, I don't know. I mean, to me, technical interviews make the most sense at the junior level when you want to make sure the person can, you know, write a for loop. Um, do I, – I don't know. I It's, it's not – I mean, I was about to say I don't think you need them after a certain point, but you definitely do. <laughs> well, here's what I think is going to happen. 
<clears throat> I think maybe this we should zoom out because we're always we're, we're getting. Here's the thing: everybody knows this is broken, so eventually right. that means it's probably going to have to get addressed. Because if everybody kind of openly acknowledges, okay, yeah, we kind of got a problem here, uh, then it's in the business's best interest to fix it because then they get better results, right? They don't like losing money, and 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 hiring the wrong person is one of the most expensive things you can do as a business. Oh, it's a huge mistake, especially if you don't fire them fast right. enough. So this yeah. process is going to get fixed, and the only way I can really see how to do it. Because if you're going in for a technical job, then a person should be evaluated on their technical merits. And that, to me, means portfolio. And to me, that means things like established GitHub profiles. And the reason why I say things like GitHub is because that's what's going to be in the common parlance once these people are going to look for these things, right? In fact, you could even – and maybe these might already exist. I've been out of the game for a while. But couldn't you even see like a hiring manager's like a research tool that automatically you plug in the GitHub user ID and it goes in and sucks in all their information about their GitHub stats and their projects and they put it into – a portfolio about the candidates that they're looking at. It seems like that's either that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's going to exist I, pretty exist pretty damn soon. I, I could see that getting gamed so quickly. Sure, yeah, yeah. But the, this is obviously that's the thing is whatever new thing that they go to will also have problems. That's just, that's the way it goes. But uh, you're either going to have to go to something, and it seems like a merit based sort of review process where you can look at code and or even just look at activity on other projects and say, yeah, this person is somebody who walks the walk. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. If you were to just say, you know what, drop a grenade, blow up JV tomorrow, and you had to go get a job, you you wouldn't like go to a recruiter, right? You would get a job on some sort of referral or relationship, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, to tell you the truth, though, I I'm so focused on this that I have not nurtured any of those contacts. In fact, I've even neglected them to an extent when they've reached out and be like, "Hey, would you come in for a couple of days?" Now I'm at the point now where I don't even respond because I've said no so many times. So I don't know, to tell you the truth. Um, I think what I would probably do is take some of the boxes out of my garage and build a box fort and go live down by the river, to tell you the truth. I, I'm pretty much un- unemployable, I think. I mean, I, I have done this now uh, you know, for a couple of years, and um, yeah, I just don't think I'm employable. I really don't. I could maybe, you know, maybe what I would do is I would go, I would go do, I would take this knowledge set and go do contracting and help people set this up, like radio stations set up live streams. and Right. Well, I guess my, my – yeah, because you took that in a totally different direction. I was thinking like people who have experience, who've done a few projects, a little more senior, I, I don't think they're going through the whole recruiter process of need, needing to be screened out with FizzBuzz, right? Oh, like, oh, I follow. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because also uh, – uh, well, you know, it used to be that you just kind of would become known too. Right. So in a way, you, just, you didn't really yeah. have to go through the regular screening process because people kind of knew you. You usually get usually you get referred at that at that level. Like, oh, you know, my friend so and so is looking for work, and he'd be great here. It's usually at that level how you'll get hired, or even they'll seek you out. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So is this? I mean, and it's a little weird for you and I to answer it since we haven't had a job in you know yeah. a while. <laughs> So maybe we would both go on Monster.com and be horrified. Could you work a 9 to 5? I mean, there's elements of it that you probably would find um, soothing, right? Well, I mean, a steady paycheck, you know. Yeah, I don't even – I'm not going to turn that down. But but, uh, yeah, yeah, people always say, oh, I got a steady paycheck. Yeah, they can fire your ass. They can lay you off. They can get bought out and downsize. I mean, that happened. I I, literally – the only reason I say that is because I worked at a place – and here was the line because, you know, I'm an old fart and I had a job during the dot-com uh, boom and pop and all that. And uh, the line that I was f- fed for like four years, maybe five years, I worked there for seven years. So 
I'd say about five years, the line I was fed was, we're not going to pay you as much as if you went down to Seattle, but we're 25 right. miles north. Okay, that was a good point. That's the number reason why I took the job. Number two, we've never laid anybody off in 25 years of being in business, so you have a stable job even though the dot-coms are failing all over the place. And uh, number three, you'll get nice steady uh, wage increases for years. You'll get vested. You, can, you, pretty, you pretty much, as long as you do your job, you have a job for as long as you want. Uh, and then in my, in my sixth year, they outsourced all of us, laid us all off except for the CEO happened to like me. Uh, so uh, the CEO stepped in and saved my job and I became a, a security I, – I got moved over to security um, and everybody got laid off. Everybody. They all, some of them got hired by the consulting firm. And this is a company that told you you'll never get laid off here. You have a good steady paycheck. We never laid a single person off in 25 years. And they laid off all of us. So I don't I don't even buy the steady paycheck line anymore. You know, it's funny because because I've been on both sides of that equation. Uh, it, first of all, it sucks for everybody. <laughs> well, maybe at a big company they care less. Like I, I can't see you know Larry or Sergey being like, oh, so sorry. You know, they're not Asian. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> um, every time I say Sergey Brin, I, I always think of the guy. You you ever see the guy from uh, Huawei where he dresses up like Steve Jobs, uh... like fake Steve? Oh, if you haven't seen this, Chris, you have to see. No, it. I've seen the Huawei guy who looks like fake Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think of him. I'm just trying to always oh, inappropriate. Okay, okay. Send your hate mail to you know what? Send it to me, Alan. Oh, okay. Send it to me. Um, BSD now. Yeah, I, I, I will say that I, I I do think you're right that the whole like W two J O B job thing isn't as secure as people think it is. Um. Yeah. I mean, the, what it really is for me would be so many things are no longer my problem because I I actually think what I have now is more stable because like if I if it if it messes up it's probably because I messed it up and I'm I'm planning I'm not planning on messing anything up maybe that's a little arrogant but that's currently my intention is not to mess things up I just want to keep doing what I do and as long as the audience likes it then I think we're good. Uh, but it, so I feel like this is actually more stable than anything else. But if I was at a job, I wouldn't be the stability wouldn't be what it is for me. It would be the fact that I didn't have to pay for that desk. I didn't pay for those chairs. I didn't have to buy that mat. Those paper towels you're using in the restroom. I didn't buy all of those. Right. It's all of those things that are no longer my problem anymore. Uh, you know, the mortgage, the 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 association fee, having to hire somebody to, to take care of the yard because I'm too busy doing a show. All of these things are my problem right now that don't help me make shows at all. That would, If I could just go work for somebody and be a podcaster, I would never have to think about any of those things. So, so that's the thing, right? Like I Very recently, I spent more time on the phone or in Excel than I did in Xcode, right? I mean, that's... Uh, but then, Chris, wouldn't you become like a one-man consultant and just say, because, yes, you still have all that invoicing crap and all that, you know, buy the chairs, yeah. but you're buying one chair, right? Huh? You're buying one desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're sending, what, one invoice a month or right. two invoices a yeah, month? Not, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess so. I suppose so. I guess I would probably do that, yeah. I mean, what we could all do is make little Android-based game consoles um, and, you know, sell them for 99. Oh, God. Oh, I like where you're going with this. And then maybe we could, like, uh, uh, update them from, like, uh, every couple of years. We could just launch a new Kickstarter and have them fund it for us. Yeah, like, you know, I was doing something similar last night in Brooklyn. I had a tin cup, and I was on the streets like this. Change, change, spare some change for an iOS developer, please. <laughs> oh, Mr. Dominic, I don't I, believe I, you. I, don't I believe used Jar Jar's you. accent the first time, but it, it really, people kept hitting me. and like <laughs> it, it was weird. I got assaulted. Get out of here. 
Uh, all right. Uh, let's do one more. Well, um, yeah, we have – so we have a QTC++ email in uh, from Brandon. And uh, let's do this one real quick. Let's see. We, we can. We, I think we can get to this one. He says, uh, hello, Chris and Mike. I'm a longtime listener of the show, a uh, subscriber to the subreddit, and a contributor even to Open Your Mouth. Recipes. Awesome. I'm currently a software engineer for a large architectural company. The AG or the egg industry as a whole are stuck on an antiquated GUI platform called VT or virtual terminals. These VT terminals are sanctioned by an ISO standard, which basically means you are limited to 400 by 400 or worse. Displays and vehicle cabs get uh, stick figure graphics. A lot of people in our space want to move away from these IP67 related terminals, expensive, no economy of scale, in the ver- in the vehicle cabs to consumer grade tablets, maybe running iOS or Android. And I think uh, it is the future. However, they want to essentially be backwards compatible with the stick figure standard that ISO lays out for architectural tech. I wanted to know if you guys had any experience with Qt and C++ for GUI and cross-platform language and platform. If you have heard of architectural, if you've heard of the standard either, I'm not a huge fan of being uh, .NET or C Sharp, uh, and I'm not a GUI developer. In my previous job, however, I know there are a few die-hard Qt fans in my office, and I never once heard it mentioned by anyone outside of the egg industry. Do you know of any thoughts on C++ Qt for cross-platform GUI development? Keep up the good work. Well, Brandon, that is actually a pretty popular use for C++ and Qt. Uh, yeah, it's, yes, it's definitely outside the uh, the egg industry. Um, in fact, I would say, was it was it was it last year or this year? We said it was going to be a great year for Qt, uh, and it's been on in, like uh, Heaven's Revenge points out. It's been on embedded devices forever. So it's great. So it's 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 at like it would be at home in a, in a vehicle. It would not be uncommon for software that would be featured in a vehicle's uh, display system to be written in Qt. Mike, do you disagree at all? You know, Qt is interesting. I really, really got interested in it and then did nothing with it. Yeah, as always. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, having said that, I hear a lot of really good things, and you could totally write that in Qt based on what I'm hearing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I know one guy who's swearing on QML. Um, I, I I don't know why, and I take it with a grain of salt since he used to be a Java Swing developer. Uh, yeah. You know, I've been kind of impressed by some of the apps written in QML that I've yeah. seen. I actually have been I mean, kind of like, holy crap, this is almost legit. And I, you know, I mean, I'm waiting to see like how these apps add out feature wise and uh, performance wise as they add more features. But right now, I'm pretty impressed in their in their early revisions. Mr. Dominic, can I tell you about something else I'm really impressed about? I mean, something I'm super impressed about. That's Angela's true. lovely, true. Yes. Oh, she is. See she what is. I did there? You saw what Mother I did Mother of though, right? my three lovely yes. children, too, with, uh, yes, she's home with See, two of them I bailed, right now. I'm, I want you to know that I bailed you out. Yeah, and you know what Angela loves? You know what she really Di- likes? DigitalOcean. She loves DigitalOcean. Yeah, you got it, Mike. Exactly. She loves DigitalOcean, and you will, too. Go over to DigitalOcean.com. They're a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. And what do I mean by that? I mean you're going to get root access to a server that's up in the cloud that's crazy fast. It's running Linux based on the KVM virtualization platform, hooked up to all SSD drives, tier one bandwidth. You get root level access. You even get to see the like the boot up screen right all the way up as it boots with an HTML5 console. And you can get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start only $5 a month. That's going to get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a freaking terabyte of transfer for $5. $5. Think about the value of that. It's crazy. And they have data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. Multiple data centers in, location, in those locations. And you can check out some pictures of them on their Instagram feed because they're the hotness. 
I'll tell you what else is the hotness. It's DigitalOcean's interface. I I just love this so much, especially so it's a treat for me, and I think maybe I can appreciate it a little bit differently than most because I have struggled over the years when when virtualize I, I, I have I, I remember when virtualization came to the x86 platform. I actually originally started experimenting with virtualization on the PowerPC platform. And I've actually had some um, uh, familiarization with virtualization on the System 390 platform. And I used early, very, very early versions of VMware and VirtualBox. Uh, and, of course, when Zen was uh, first integrated into the official Linux kernel, uh, in fact, even before it was, uh, all, all kinds of different systems and tools, uh, uh, different ways of, of managing virtual systems, I have never, ever, seen a system that is so slick, so powerful, and so simple to use as DigitalOcean's dashboard. It is amazingly intuitive. And power users can replicate the functionality of the dashboard with DigitalOcean's straightforward API. And there's lots of really good apps built around this already, so you can take advantage of a ton of good stuff like managing it from your phone, your desktop, uh, integrating it with your puppet management infrastructure. It really just, I mean, there's so many, so many things already taking advantage. You can just go grab them right now. But, or, or you write something. And you can manage DNS. You can do one-click deployments of, like, GitLab. Take advantage of Docker, uh, Ruby on Rails. Go over to DigitalOcean, and here's the best part. You can try it out two months for absolutely free. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. It's one word, lowercase, CODERDIGITAL. When you check out, you get a $10 credit. Actually, it's not really when you check out. That's, I say that because that's habit. Uh, but DigitalOcean does it cooler than most places. You just you just get to apply that to your account. And the reason why I like that is I've got my personal PayPal account that I'll use from time to time for Steam games. And uh, I have set up a different PayPal account that we could use to fund the DigitalOcean droplets. And so from time to time, when I have a couple extra dollars in my Steam one, I transfer it over to the DigitalOcean droplet PayPal account. And then I just go apply the funds to my DigitalOcean account. And I just don't really have to worry about it. And the nice thing is you can go apply that promo code, Coder Digital, just give you a $10 credit, spin up the $5 rig two months for free, or go try the $10 rig because there's a ton of horsepower. And really just, like, spin it up and then go apply updates and just look at that and, t- and tell me that alone isn't worth $5 for that experience right there. Seriously. But you're going to get a $10 credit. Coder Digital, DigitalOcean.com. Big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay. Uh, I got two. I, we got two more emails, Mike, and one of them goes after you. And one of them, uh, hold on. Uh, one of them wants to debate about why documentation is actually not all that evil. Which would you prefer? One's about you and JavaScript and how wrong you are. And one's about how documentation is amazing and everybody needs to STF you and, and uh, step up. Yeah, let's do the documentation one uh, first. I think it's a lot faster. All right. So uh, what's so evil about documentation? JJ Meek writes in, in my previous iterations of my career, I did documentation as part of my job, such as writing or edi- ed- uh, editing build instructions for a product. After leaving that world almost two years ago, I've been asked to do documentation of all the procedures and tricks in my group. Personally, I see it as a chance to improve my communication skills. I think most devs see it as evil that should be avoided at all costs. So, what makes documentation so evil? He loves it. And I, I'll tell you my exposure to documentation while you compose your thought there, Mr. Dominic, is uh, a lot of times when you start uh, as a, somebody who's going to come and do s- some system administration, if there's an existing IT person there... They almost always have you start on documentation every single time because they're always behind on it and it is legitimately a decent way to learn the system because if you're good at like kind of working things backwards, you can usually figure out what needs to be updated or what isn't documented and then you discover it. You go find out where all the passwords are at. You know, you go do all the legwork. You go make the contacts with the employees that know that stuff. 
you know, you establish those relationships, you build up your own information database and your own kind of in- mental layout, and it turns out to be pretty valuable, but it can sometimes be excruciating because you really just want to get down to work and make something or fix something, and instead it feels like paperwork almost. That's why I think documentation is maybe not evil, but a bit of a nuisance. I, I kind of think you're on crack, but that's okay. Really? Tell me about it. Yeah. Why would you not want to write? I mean, obviously, you don't need to document every line, but why would you not write documentation? Because what happens if you, I don't know, get a promotion, go to a different job? Right. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do well, you really want to screw the poor guy who has to take over your Documentation, your though, in, in my estimation, is more than just comments. Because, for example, I don't, if, I, if I make a change to a Samba file server and, uh, you, know, I, you know, let's change the way every folder's uh, create mask is set on creation. I would then, you know, put a little comment in there, uh, change this, blah, blah, from this. Uh, CF and the date. And here's the problem, though. That's not really documentation because that's not available in a central spot that people can go look up when they need to know something. They can Once they kind of get to know the system, they would know to go check which comp file. The other thing is just that's not really something you go back and update from time to time where if it's like something in a wiki that's more centralized, that's, that's something else. Plus, documentation isn't just what you're doing. It can also be how you do it. And that's an entirely different kind of documentation. That all, to me, is very tedious. Your face. Your face. Well, okay, so so like what I was using for documentation was like, you know, for little scripts, private uh, gists on GitHub, right? If I need to share a sure. script with somebody, yeah, beautiful, that way to share it to everybody on the team. Yeah. And, um, you know, Markdown. I guess that's a little hipsterish, but I can't imagine shipping like a backend system without some sort of documentation. Yeah, yeah, for Unless sure. Unless it's super just, you know, crud, right? Super, super just basic crud. Usually I, what I find works best is a combination of work notes, uh, you know, inline documentation either in code or con- config files, and then like some sort of like something central. I've used um, – uh, I think it's called Gobi. What's it called? It's like G-O-B-B-Y or something. It's a uh, it's a collaborative editor. I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, Gobi. This is really cool. If you haven't checked this out, it's a instead of using Google Docs, uh, you you install it on a server, so it's all on your LAN. And then there's a front end native client, and uh, I've used this a few times for documentation. The reason why I like this is, um, remember how I hate web apps. Well, everybody hates web apps. Yeah, so this isn't a web app. This is a native app. It's got a Windows, Linux. Uh, I think there's a, a mobile apps for it. And uh, it's called Gobi, G-O-B-B-Y dot GitHub dot I-O if you want to check it out. And uh, there's still an active development, which is nice too. Uh, and I've used this. It also has built-in integrated chat. So uh, people like I, I've uh, I've been back at the office, uh, um, at, at my office, and I've had a client that was in the server room. And they can bring up the documentation and they can ask me questions about the documentation in line. So it's pretty neat. Uh, so this for me was how I did my documentation. And getting something that was not in a web page, something that did integrated uh, collaborative editing, uh, it has zero conf support, only on Linux though. But the nice thing is that and then everybody just auto-discovers each other. Uh, it has ACL so you can make sure you can lock it down. Uh, you, and it's encrypted, the connection to the client and the server. And uh, you can see who's doing changes, and uh, there's uh, editing where each person gets their own color and uh, stuff like that. So it's neat. It's a good tool, and it's great for documentation. And it makes documentation, in my estimation, less evil. I'm not like you, Mr. Dominic. I don't uh, get all hot and bothered when it comes time to sit down and write up a good doc. Whoa there. Whoa there. I'm I'm just breaking everything. It's because you mentioned Linux twice. Um, Too much? Too much? 
Yeah, you know, in fact, my dogs, my wife, they all hate Linux. Do you want to do the JavaScript one, or do you want to move into our no, Google? Let, let, no, oh, no, let's do JavaScript. All right, so Simon writes but in. We might, we might have to end here, because I have, unfortunately, to do something up for, but that's fine. Oh, okay, all right. I'm all sorry, right. Chris. I, I'm, I'm in demand these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon uh, says, uh, hi, Michael and Chris. Boy, I had so many. Oh, okay, well, we'll I'll save them for next week, so we'll have more. Uh, I get where Michael is coming from when he criticizes JavaScript. For the current corporate developer, you ideally want something like C-sharp or Java, a huge ecosystem with a strong focus on idioms that change rarely and, a guy, and guide him or her to build his app in a maintainable way. On the one hand, Michael is right when he says that uh, one can make a horrible mess with JavaScript and you have a high risk of a technical debt. On the other hand, there are valid business reasons to use JavaScript that you just cannot ignore, Mr. Dominic cross-platform. The experience may vary, but at least one will be able to access the app. Built-in software distribution, built-in and automated software update distribution, and different built-in and implemented networking protocols. I would also argue that you will not have a talent problem if you choose JavaScript, because the sheer number and amount of people who wrote a line of JS once, you'll have to dig through some mud, though. But there's a lot of them. Beneath the hype of these benefits, they are real. Someone in the position to choose the technology just has to do his gerb. Neither can he dismiss JavaScript nor just do with it. You have to assess whether the benefits outweigh the risks in this particular case, which they do in many cases. Keep up the good work. Also, he thinks it's ironic that the Rails advocate is mocking other frameworks for doing magic behind the curtains. <gasps> Zinger. Uh, so that's a fair point. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um. I don't hate JavaScript. I just hate Node developers. What about what about his argument that JavaScript is a good idea because a lot of people know JavaScript? Uh, yeah, VBasic six is a good idea for the same reason. Okay. What about the fact that it has built-in uh, mechanisms to do updates to the software? You know, you go to the web page, you just push out a new version. Everybody's on the same version. It's super quick. Mm, that's not a JavaScript feature. That's a web platform feature. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, well, your face. Well, so it's funny, right? JavaScript. In the next version of what is it, ECMAScript 6 coming out now, that's going to be far less terrible. But will people follow it, and how is that? It's, it's kind of the PHP problem, right? Like there's so much crap out there already that there's nothing that they can do. Do you have, uh, do you have five? Because I have one more thing I wanted to throw at you before we wrap up. I've got five. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Okay. So uh, this one, uh, this one, I, and this is good. We're, I want to get this on record, especially because by the time we talk, Next week, the Apple Watch will be announced. Go ahead. So, all right. But real quick. So, just real quick. Uh, Linux Academy, this is our last sponsor this week. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. You can go get the Coder Radio discount. Go check these guys out because they have some really big stuff coming up really soon. And you're going to want to be in it when they announce that. They're always adding new content. That's why the subscription model works so well. You can choose from 7-plus Linux distributions. They'll automatically adjust the courseware. They have courses on everything Linux. I mean, really everything Linux. Even if you've been a Linux user for a long, long time, you can get some refreshers on stuff. They have the whole AWS stack there. You can really get comfortable with that, do scenario-based training, OpenStack, virtualization, Docker, rsync, the whole DevOps category. I really think you'll be also quite in... Go check out their uh, Python uh, course. I was just checking that out. You're going to be pretty impressed by that and their Ruby, the introduction to Ruby on Linux. Good stuff. They're really getting, they're really getting this built out in a way where depending on how much time you have available, a little bit or a lot, you can take advantage of Linux Academy and you'll get value out of it. You only have a little bit of time. They have learning plans. You set your availability. They'll customize a plan for you. And then you have a lot of time sometimes. You open it up. Boom. Turn it on and you just go as fast as you want. They also have live streams. You can ask the educators questions while they're doing the live streams in a very active community. 
A lot of them are Jupiter Broadcasting members, too. So go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go look at all their good stuff. Go dig around. Try it out for a little while. Go look at their news feed. You're going to see they're talking to members about some of the neat stuff they're working on. I think your jaw is going to drop when they announce it. I got a little tease. linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So, Mr. Dominic, really quickly... Uh, I think this is a big deal. So it looks like we have 1 million people walking around with Android Wear watches. Uh, so the number of Wear watches uh, is based on uh, some numbers that were uh, late, uh, ran late last year. Now they're re-looking at sales numbers and they're also looking at app downloads. 5 million Google Wear apps have been uh, downloaded from the Play Store. So Google uh, is sitting around 1 million watches sold. Good chance that Apple will probably break that in the first weekend of the Apple Watch sales. Your last prediction, this is your last chance, is, the, is does Apple introduce something new about the Apple Watch? Is it going to be a success? Is it going to be a flop? Go. Uh, are they going to introduce something new? Probably not. Is it going to be a success? Probably a qualified success. Could yeah. you see yourself being tempted to write an app for it? Yes. Oh. Well, maybe we'll talk about that more next week after it's maybe announced. More next week. All right, bum, Mr. Donald. So don't, don't, don't. All right, you're a busy guy. So yeah, uh, we we are discussing moving the time, but it's hard because everybody's busy. But we are discussing so that way we can give ourselves more time for the show. We'll update you guys when we figure that out. Life is busy, but Mr. Dominic, maybe people need a little more of you. Is there somewhere they could go throughout the week to get a little more of uh, you? Actually, they can't go to dominicm.com because I suck and forgot to renew the domain. That's cool. That's what about Twitter? They can go to Twitter That'd at Dumanuko. At Dumanuko. There you go. You can follow me on Twitter, too. I'm Chris Elias on Twitter. It was pretty cool. You can follow me and find out about live shows and stuff. Oh, join us live, won't you? We do the show Mondays right now at uh, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over at jblive.tv. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that in your local time zone. And don't forget to contact us. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and send us in your feedback. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Code Radio. See you next week. <laughs>